High Praise Podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Joshua, lead pastor here at High Praise, and I want to thank you for downloading today's podcast. We know that this message is going to encourage and bless you. So I want you to open up your heart and receive what the Lord has for you today. We're beginning this new series today called Weapons of Warfare. And uh, I'm really excited about this. It's really important for us to understand this, this principle and this concept that we are in a spiritual battle, that we are in a war, that we are in a fight every single day, the fight of faith. More specifically, the fight of destiny and purpose is a fight that we are in every single day of our lives. Now understand this, it's a fight that you are called to and you are destined to win. It's a fixed fight. It's already been called in your favor. Before you even got in the ring, the fix was in, and you had already been declared the victor in the situation, but you're still in a battle, and you still got to get in the ring, and you still have to engage in the fight. The reality uh, of the situation is this. The only way that you lose is if you forfeit by not showing up. And there are many people... Many Christians who will die one day and go to heaven, and that's a good thing, amen? That's a good thing. But they will die and go to heaven, but they will leave destiny unfulfilled on the earth because they didn't engage in the battle of destiny and purpose. And listen, this is the thing. I'm not content to just die and go to heaven one day. I said, I'm not content to just die and go to heaven one day. I want to fulfill purpose and destiny that God has for me on the earth. There are people that, 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 that are linked to destiny and purpose on your life that are waiting for you to step in and engage in the battle so they can walk in freedom, so they can walk in liberty, so they can walk free from the hand of the enemy. There are people that need you. I hear people say sometimes, oh, I just... I'm just so ready to get out of here. I'm just ready for God to come. I'm ready for the rapture. I'm ready for the trumpet to sound and me just get whoom, and pulled up and leave my clothes neat and nicely folded. If you've seen any movies, you know what I'm talking about. But I, I want to challenge you with something this morning, and that is this, that that perspective is not a kingdom or church perspective. It is actually an incredibly selfish perspective. Because I'm not content just to get out of here. There are people that need freedom. There are people that need liberty. There are people that don't know him yet that if they die in their current situation, it's not going to be good for them. And I'm concerned about more than just me. I'm concerned about the people that I come into contact with. I'm concerned about my family. I'm concerned about my coworkers. I'm concerned about my community. And I want to do what God has called me to do in the places that I am called to be in order to see not just my destiny fulfilled, but see their destiny fulfilled, to see their purpose fulfilled, to see them become who God has called them to be. It's not just about me. It's about we. It's not just about what I want. It's about what God has called me to do. It's about what God has called you to do. It's about what God has called this church to do. And if you're part of this church, you have a role to play in the destiny and purpose of this body as well. 
This is the good news. You're called to engage in the battle because the God that we serve is a warrior. Psalm 24, 8 says this. It says, who is this king of glory? He is the Lord, what? Strong and mighty. The Lord, what? Mighty in the battle. God is engaged in the battle. I want to let you in on a secret. Our God is not a wimp. Our God is not a loser. Our God is a victor in every situation. Our God is an overcomer. I told the first services, um, the, the most descriptive name used for God, you know, there's descriptive names for God all throughout Scripture, whether it's Jehovah Jireh or Jehovah Rapha or Jehovah Nisi. And the most descriptive name for God in all of Scripture is this, and it's not even remotely close. The most descriptive name for God is the Lord of hosts. The name literally means the captain of the armies of heaven. So the most descriptive thing that God says about him is, I am the captain of an army, of a heavenly host, a heavenly army, and that army has your back. And if our God is mighty in the battle, then we are also called to be mighty in the battle. You weren't called to live deflated and defeated. You were called to live as a warrior. You were called to live on the spiritual battlefield, living a victorious and conquering life in all things. You weren't intended to lose. You were called to win. Your family wasn't called to lose. You were called to win. Ephesians chapter 6, verse, verse 10. Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, very familiar, says this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able, may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Now, stop there. Uh, I was talking to, if you were here, how many of you were here on Wednesday night for Pastor Cole Burks? Y'all enjoy Pastor Cole? Amen. I was here, I mean, I'm, excuse me, last night I was talking to Pastor Cole and we were talking a little bit about, uh, about what I'm ministering today and he's going to be ministering something similar in a few months. And uh, we were talking about this, how over the past couple years, uh, because we had a pendulum swing so far to one side and people were wanting, saved people. We're making their enemies other people. I don't know if y'all have noticed that. <laughs> but we had a pendulum swing so far that way, okay, that in a, in a correction and, and to bring balance, we had to do a lot of ministry on loving your neighbor as yourself, that our God is a God of love, a God of mercy, a God of compassion, right? And he is all of those things, and all those things are true. Can somebody say Amen. But in the midst of that, I think we have somewhat also lost sight of this, uh, this idea that our God is also a mighty man of war. That our God is also a warrior. That our God is the roaring lion of the tribe of Judah. That he engages in the battle. And Paul tries to tell the church at Ephesus here, listen guys, you need to understand your problem isn't people. And I believe the reason Paul probably told them that is probably because some of them began to get a little bit, little bit riled up and probably thought that their problems were people. But your problems that you're facing are not people. 
Y'all don't shout me down because I'm preaching good. In your marriage, your problem is not your spouse. A lot of times your problem in your marriage is you. Well, y'all don't. If, you, if you're elbowing somebody right now, calm down. <laughs> your problem is not a political party. Your problem is not a senator or a congressman or a president or a foreign nation or your problem is not atheists or, or Muslims or Buddhists. That's not your problem. That's not who we're fighting against. Our fight is not with people. They may think that we are their enemy, but they're not my enemy. My enemy is principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this age. I'm not fighting with people. I have a bone to pick with the powers behind the behaviors of people, but my issue is not those people. Those people are in bondage and in chains and need freedom and liberty, but it is not them that I am fighting with and wrestling with. But we do wrestle and we do fight. And there is a battle to be waged, and there is a war to be won. And there are real principalities. There are real powers. There are real rulers of darkness. And I want to let you in on a secret. They don't like you. They don't want you to become who the Father has called you to be, and they don't want you to leave an impact within the earth. If the enemy can't keep you from heaven, he will gladly keep you from fulfilling your earthly destiny and purpose. If he can't keep you from heaven, he will keep you passive. He will keep you locked up and occupied with silly things. He'll keep you quarreling with people rather than targeting principalities. And he will keep you preoccupied with things in order to keep you from destiny and from purpose. And that's why we still have to fight today. Listen, there are a lot of people, I already said it, but there's a lot of people who live and die and get to heaven but fall short of what God's called them to do in life. Let it not be said of this body that we have people who make it to heaven but they don't fulfill purpose for this age, for this day, for this world. You know God has something for you to do? You know that God has people for you to reach? Reaching people for the kingdom is not just the job of the pastor and the staff and whoever might be a pastor or a leader. Everyone in the church has a call to reach people for the kingdom, to make an impact where you are, to live for Jesus and show the way of Jesus and see people's lives changed. You know people can change on your workplace? Y'all are getting real quiet this morning. Do you know that just by you, and it doesn't have to be weird, not to be crazy, just you living to a standard says something. Just you living to a standard says something. Just whenever you show up and everybody else freak, is freaking out and you're not, says something. Just whenever you're blessing the boss and everybody else is cursing the boss, says something. Y'all don't shout me down because I'm preaching good this morning. This is the reality. You're called to make a change. You're called to have an impact. And there are a lot of people who won't because they refuse to engage in the battle. Once you were born again, you began a battle of destiny. Now, there are some people that say and have taught and preached and propagated this idea that, well, warfare isn't for us today. There's no more battle because whenever Jesus 
was crucified on day one, when he harrowed hell on day two and held captivity captive and preached to the captives and led a jailbreak. And then on day three arose victorious over death, hell, and the grave that all warfare ceased because the enemy was defeated. And the enemy was defeated and has been defeated, but he also will be defeated. He has been defeated and he will be defeated, right? I'm going to say that again. He has been defeated and he will be defeated. It's now, not yet. It's, what, it's a very simple concept, but he has been defeated and he will be defeated. So here's the thing. Here's the thing with all that. If, we, if you believe that, you can believe whatever you want to believe. The problem with it is this. Paul here in Ephesians chapter 6, after the crucifixion, after he held captivity captive, after the resurrection, is saying to them, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. So obviously Paul believed that there was still a battle that we were engaged in. And Paul goes on and tells them to put on their armor. Paul wasn't telling them to put on their armor because it was a great spiritual fashion statement to make. Right? Nor was he telling them to wrestle because he wanted them to all like act like they were John Cena in the WWE. He's telling them this because there is an actual battle. There is an actual war for us to engage in. There is an actual struggle that we are involved in, and you are called to live victoriously. The enemy would love to convince you that you're not in a struggle because if you don't believe you're in a struggle, you're not going to fight. And we need to awaken to this understanding the church isn't just some social gathering. I believe in family. Church is nothing if not a, come on, shout it out. Church is nothing if not a family. I believe in a social aspect. Yesterday, we, with our young families group, we went and we went to Culver's and then we went and played video games at Dave and Buster's. And I didn't form a prayer circle outside before we went in and say, we're all going to intercede for 30 minutes because if we don't do this, then it's not spiritual and it's not a church thing. We just went and played video games. And ate cheeseburgers. And that's okay. But let me, let me let you know, there's even in the middle of that, there's actually some warfare you're doing. I know that may seem odd to you because we have so defined warfare as just praying and worshiping. And those are all important things. And interceding and, and, and reading the word and all of that's important. But there's warfare that you're doing just by getting with people of like precious faith and building relationship. Because you're coming against ideas of the enemy that would try to separate you and pluck you away and say that you're not accepted and you don't belong. You have to understand, even in the midst of playing a video game at Dave and Buster's with some people of like precious faith, there's some warfare that can be going on. You ain't got to pray in the Holy Ghost to do it. If you want to, that's fine. I prayed in the Holy Ghost a couple times yesterday while I'm at Dave and Buster's. Keep my sanity. Anybody say amen? All right, a couple of y'all were there. This is the idea, though. The church is not just where you go to have potluck dinners, clean your conscience, get a card that keeps you out of hell and gets you blessed. The church is called to be a warring bride. The church is called to be a warring army. And you may say, well, that's not my personality. Well, too bad you were drafted the moment you got saved. You were called into the army of the Lord the moment you got saved and born again. You became a child of God, but you also became a member in his army. 
and you're called to tear down principalities and powers, and you're called to live a victorious life, and you were made to take territory for the kingdom of God. You were made for the battle. It's not about personality. I am not an aggressive person. I am super chill. I'm pretty laid back. I am not, I have never been in a fight in my life, and I'd like to keep it that way. Amen. So don't try me. <laughs> like to keep it that way. I'm playing. Y'all know that. Like to keep it that way. I am not a fighter. That is not my bend. That is not my, not the way that, that I'm, like if I, if I saw a fight or something going on in school, I'm going to go the other way. Because if I got hurt in the fight, I was also going to get hurt when I got home. There was no, no reason to subject myself to pain twice. Can somebody say amen? I avoided confrontation. I avoided violence. But in the spirit, it's different. In the spirit, I'm called to wage war against principalities and powers. In the spirit, I'm called to pull down things that mount themselves against the knowledge of Jesus. In the spirit, I'm called to take territory and not to run away from the battle, but to run to the battle. Too many people run away from the enemy. You weren't called to run away from him. You were called to run towards him, engage him, and overcome him. People have problems because they always try to run away from them. You cannot just run away from your issue. You've got to run to the enemy that's facing you and overcome him. Y'all with me this morning? You were made for the battle. Why do we fight? Because there's an enemy to defeat and there's territory to take. There are lives that are marred in destruction and chains that people are wrapped in, that they need liberation, and you are made to be a carrier of liberty. I'm going to say this again. There are people waiting on you to step into purpose. I recounted this story earlier. It wasn't in my notes. I'm going to go ahead and do it again. In the Old Testament, there's the account of when Abram, Abraham and Lot and his herdsmen begin to quarrel with each other. They can't stop fighting and they can't stop arguing. They're always fighting. And, and Abraham goes, listen, Lot, so we can have peace with each other. Let's separate. Lot was never called to separate from Abraham. But Lot said, that sounds good. What Lot should have done was told his herdsmen to get it together and get in line. Because we're joined with Abraham and that's where blessing flows from and we're going to stay with him. Get it together. But he doesn't. Abraham says, you go your way, I'll go my way. You pick whichever way you want to go and I'm going to go the opposite way. And this is when, this is when Lot begins his journey towards Sodom. Okay, And before he gets there, before he gets there, he's actually taken captive by some kings in the middle of a war, and they're holding him captive. And when word gets back to Abraham that Lot is in captivity as a result of his own bad decisions, Abraham was, I mean, excuse me, Lot was not in his situation just out of happenstance or just because things happened. Lot made bad choices and ended up in chains that he was never called to be in. And Abraham did not go, well, Lot made his bed, now he's got to lie in it. Abraham did not go, well, Lot should have listened to me to begin with, and then he wouldn't have been in this spot. Abraham did not go, well, maybe this will teach Lot a lesson. Abraham said, we're going to get, and we're going to go get my brother Lot. It's interesting because he calls him his brother. He's not his brother. 
It's his nephew. But he calls him his brother because there is a kinship, there is a connection. And Abraham knows that Lot was never intended to be in chains. But the reality is if his brother's in chains, he's going to go get him. And Abraham goes and engages in the battle with his uh, mighty men. And Lot ends up freed. And then Lot continues to make bad decisions. But you know what? You never stop fighting for people who are in chains and bondage. You never stop engaging in the battle, even when they make the decision that put them there in their own place because of what they did. You don't just go, well, God's in control and things are going to happen. No, we go to war and we begin to wage a good warfare until we see liberty, until we see freedom. Some of you have family members in this place that they're in chains and in bondage in the spirit. They are oppressed. They are depressed. They are possessed. I don't care if you want to argue where they're at. They are too close. People want to argue, well, are they possessed? Are they oppressed? I don't, it's too close. I don't want to get in a dumb argument over where they're physically located. Too close. And the reality is this. Part of your calling is to rise up and begin to war for them when they can't. To begin to fight for them whenever they can't fight anymore. Listen, that's one of the great things about being in a church body, in a church community, is whenever you can't fight for yourself, there are people who will fight for you. Whenever you feel like you can't pick up the sword, there are people who will pick up the sword and begin to fight with you and fight for you. You were called to be a carrier of liberty. Turn to Joshua 10. I'm going to close with this scripture. Y'all give me about 10 more minutes or so. Joshua 10. Are y'all getting anything out of this this morning? Joshua 10, verse 1, it says this. Now it came to pass when Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, heard how Joshua had taken Ai and had utterly destroyed it, as he had done to Jericho and its king, so he had done to Ai and its king. And how the inhabitants of Gibeon had made peace with Israel and were among them, that they feared greatly because Gibeon was a great city, like one of the royal cities, and because it was greater than Ai, and all its men were mighty. Therefore Adonai Zedek, king of Jerusalem, sent to him king of, he of Hebron, uh, Param, king of Jermuth, Japhia, king of Lachish, and Debir, king of Eglon, saying, Come up to me and help me, that we may attack Gibeon, for it has made peace with Joshua and with the children of Israel. Therefore the five kings of the Amorites, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jermuth, the king of Lachish, and the king of Eglon, gathered together and went up, they and all their armies, and camped before Gibeon and made war against it. And the men of Gibeon sent to Joshua the camp at Gilgal, saying, Do not forsake your servants. Come up to us quickly. Save us and help us, for all the kings of the Amorites who dwell in the mountains have gathered together against us. So Joshua ascended from Gilgal, he and all the people of war with him, and all the mighty men of valor. And the Lord said to Joshua, Do not fear them, for I have delivered them into your hand. Not a man of them shall stand before you. Joshua therefore came upon them suddenly, having marched all night from Gilgal. Side note, Joshua is marching to engage in the battle from Gilgal. Gilgal is a place where covenant is made. So Joshua isn't just marching in his own strength. Joshua is marching from a place of covenant, knowing that when you march from covenant, God shows up. Verse 10, so the Lord routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon, chased them along the road that goes to Beth Haran, and struck them down as far as Azekah and Makeda. And it happened as they fled before Israel and were on the descent of Beth Haran that the Lord cast down large hailstones from heaven on them as far as Azekah, and they died. 
There were more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. Then Joshua spoke to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel and said in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon and moon in the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the people had revenge upon their enemies. Is this not written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and did not hasten to go down for about a whole day. And there has been no day like that before it or after it that the Lord heeded the voice of a man, for the Lord fought for Israel. For the Lord fought for Israel. Then Joshua returned and all Israel with him to the camp at Gilgal. Now, I know it's a lot of scripture. There's a lot going on there. And what I want to tell you is I want to tell you what this means for you. Because this is about Joshua, but it is for you. It's about Joshua and Israel, but it is for you. It is not simply an accounting of history, but God through all of scripture has something to say to you, to your life and to your situation. It's not just a recounting of history. It is for you. So what is this saying to you? There is this understanding of Joshua as he and the children of Israel cross over the Jordan. They begin to enter into Canaan. They begin to take land. They begin to take ter territory. They begin to fight battles. And the enemy doesn't just go home and quit. Because whenever you take territory and you begin to fight against the enemy, he doesn't just throw in the towel and stop. I've heard, I've heard older preachers say this. There's one thing you can say about the devil is that he's a faithful devil. And he is faithful to do exactly what he does, rob, steal, kill, and destroy. That he is going to not just throw in the towel. I said it earlier, he's already been defeated, but there's also this understanding he's too stupid to realize it yet. So he's been defeated, but he still wants to engage in warfare and in battles. And whenever you begin to, be, to, to step into purpose and to possess destiny that God has called you to possess, he doesn't just go home. As a matter of fact, what he will end up doing is trying to rise up stronger and come against you. That's not a negative faith statement. But the reality, we know this, Scripture says that no weapon formed against you shall be able to prosper. There is not a promise that the weapon wouldn't form. As a matter of fact, by the connotation of the Scripture, there is a promise that the weapons would be formed. But the other side of the promise is they will not prosper. They will not prosper. I know it may feel like you're pressed down, but it will not prosper. I know it may feel like it's the bottom of the ninth and you're down 10 runs, but it will not prosper. So the enemy begins to rise up and he will come against you in a way that you can't win on your own strength, talent, or ability. I don't believe the children of Israel could have routed these five kings in their own ability and strength. They needed God to show up for them. And I've got good news for you today. God is faithful. And he is the captain of the armies of heaven. And he will show up in the middle of your fight. He will show up in the middle of your struggle. He will show up in the middle of your situation. And he will fight for you. This is... This is what we see in Joshua. When you do your part to engage in the battle and take territory, God responds by showing up and fighting for you on your behalf. 
God fights for you on your behalf. God fights with you and he fights for you. God is involved in the battle right alongside of you. He is not some sort of just watcher. There's one theological train of thought that believes God is just some sort of non-involved entity that he just plays things, he just creates things and then just watches them play out but not being involved. The problem is you have to throw out a whole lot of scripture to believe that God is not involved in what is going on in your life and in your situation. God is very involved in your situation. He's a father. Fathers were made to be involved. Fathers will get in your stuff and in your situation and help you whenever you can't help yourself. Not only that, I was going to say this for the end, but not only that, I want you to think about this for a second. How, how, many, how many of you in here have, have children? Who has, who has kids? Who has kids? All right. Listen, you can be the most, and, and this church is full of kind, well-meaning, loving, accepting, incredible people. Right? And you can just, you can feel it when you come in the room. You can feel Love and joy and acceptance. You can feel it. I love it. It's one of the things I love about our church. And we have a church full of people like that. But let somebody mess with your kid. And let somebody try to hurt your kid especially. And there's going to be a side of you that some other people have never seen before. And all of a sudden, you're not going to be the nice, kind, loving person. There's going to be something that comes up on the inside of you. Let somebody show up in your house trying to do your family harm, and there's going to be something that arises in you. And why is that going to happen? Is it because you're a mad, angry beast? No, it's because you love your family and you love your children. And your love for your children is going to stir something in you. It's going to stir a warrior in you. Can I let you know that when the enemy shows up and tries to come at you because God loves you so much as a father that there's a warrior that begins to be stirred within him and he shows up and gets involved in the fray and in the fight. If somebody was trying to attack my kids, I'm not just going to stand back and go, y'all figure it out. I'm just going to watch y'all plays out. That wouldn't be a good father. And he is a lot better than I am. And he's a lot better than anybody in this room is. And the reality of the situation is when the enemy shows up, there's a, there is something stirred within him. When the enemy comes against you, he's not just coming against you. He's coming against your daddy. And your daddy will rise up and begin to fight in war on your behalf. And he's never lost a battle. He's never lost a fight. And he's not going to start with your situation, with your circumstance, or with your family. Here's the other thing I want you to see in this account. They didn't attack Joshua. Joshua, they attacked people in covenant with Joshua. Some of you have wondered what the warfare is over your kids, over your family, over your business, over your house, over your situation. It's not just about them. It is about them, but it's not just about them. It's the enemy trying to get at you and know that whenever the enemy shows up and attacks your family, attacks people you're in covenant with, God is going to show up on the scene and he's going to begin to fight on your behalf and run the enemy off that has mounted itself against you and against them and God will be involved in your situation. We see here, God rains down hailstones and he kills more than the armies of Israel kills. Not only does God do that, but God stops time so his people can completely rout the enemy. 
God redeemed the time so they could have victory. Let me put it to you like this. It may look like you're down on the scoreboard and there's one second left, but he's going to make that one second last as long as that one second needs to last. It may look like it's on the verge of breaking, but it's not going to break because he's going to hold it there as long as he needs to hold it there to give you the time in order to rout the enemy that's come against you. You may feel like time is running out, but he will stop the time. And he'll hold the situation where it's at until you can get victory and until you get triumph. He's not going to leave you broken. He's not going to leave you in defeat. He's not going to leave you a loser. He's going to lead you and guide you in victory in every situation and in every circumstance. This is, the, this is, the, this is what I want to tell you this morning. This is what I want to tell you in summation. We have a lot of weapons of warfare against the enemy, but the ace up the sleeve that you have, the thing that we have is God is on our side and he will fight for us. The greatest weapon of warfare you have is your daddy is for you. The greatest weapon of warfare you have is the captain of the armies of heaven is your father, and he's going to come fight for you. And there's no situation too small. There's no situation too big. There's no situation too far gone that he won't show up and make himself known strong and mighty in the midst of the situation. Listen, it's time to get your fight back again in this day, in this hour. It's time to get your fight back for your family. It's time to get your fight back for your kids. It's time to get your fight back for your finances. It's time to get your fight back for the prophetic promises that have come over your life. You don't throw in the towel. You don't quit. You don't stop. You don't stop until you see victory. You don't stop until every promise that's been given to you, you see become reality. Don't quit and don't throw in the towel. You are called and purpose for destiny. You are called and purpose to take territory. You are called and purpose to live as an overcomer. I said it earlier. I'm going to say it again. Now, thanks be to God who always causes us to triumph. Not just occasionally, not some of the time, not most of the time, not 99.9% .9 of the time, always causes us to triumph. In your situation, you're going to see victory and you're going to see triumph. And it's time for you to run the enemy out that's unlawfully taken place in your life. Pick up your weapons of warfare and begin to fight against the enemy of your soul today. Will you stand up to your feet this morning? Just lift your hands to heaven. Just lift your hands to heaven. Come on, lift your hands to heaven. I want you to pray with me today. Say, Father God. Come on, pray it out. Say, Father God, I thank you today for the weapons of warfare that you've given me. I thank you today, Father, that I'm arising in power, in might, and in strength to overcome every enemy that's mounted itself against my life, against my family, against my children, against my finances, against my health. I say, devil, you can't have your way because God is going to lead me in victory. He fights for me. He wars for me. And I'm going to see victory in my life in Jesus' mighty name. Now, if you believe it, can you give the Lord a shout of Thanks again for downloading this podcast. We trust that this message has blessed, encouraged, and edified you. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss a message here from High Praise. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And don't forget to go subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be back soon with another incredible message. God bless you and have a great week.